0: Mountain friends, one thing I've heard a lot of people talking about right now is how many of us are doing so much sitting during the shelter in place, work from home, uh, sit around a lot kind of reality that we're in right now. Um, Like the the, the days kind of all run together for a lot of us, and many of us are spending more time on our rear ends, right? And we just don't you feel like we just need to move? We need to move. Sometimes we get even a little bit of an exercise, and that can even be a challenge, like this guy. Here he went to the treadmill but he still found a way to sit and eat while he's doing it it's just a weird time for us and i imagine you probably have had days that feel like this (laughs) like i gotta get out of bed or i'm gonna miss my appointment for the couch right so what so whether you're sitting in a chair working crazy hours right now or you're on Zoom calls all day or homeschooling. I don't know what chair you're in. I don't know what chair you're sitting in right at this moment, but we probably all sense that it's so important to move. And today we want to talk about that same truth in our lives, but not just in the physical sense of moving from one chair to another or from the couch to the dinner table, But how important it is to move spiritually, because I don't know where you may be with God and wherever you are, it's okay. But I do know this. I know every one of us has a move to make right now. So I wonder if you're willing to be honest for a little while about where you really are with God. And I want to ask you if you're ready to move to where God is inviting you to move. Today's a really, really important day, you guys, because God's going to speak to us. I know it. He's going to invite every one of us to make a move, an important, bold, decisive, necessary move from wherever you are right now to where God is waiting and wanting and hoping we will move to, which is closer to Jesus. And I hope that you'll make that move today. Now, we're going to look at three different chairs today because every person in society, every person listening to me right now, falls into one of these three categories or chairs. And if we can figure out which chair we're in, it's going to help you know a lot about what move you need to make. Now, Bruce Wilkinson introduced this idea years ago, and God's used it super powerfully at Mountain over the years. And so we're coming back to the three chairs just to ask that question, man, where am I with God and what move do I need to make? Now, remember, As we do this it's like a look in the mirror and the question you're asking is not which chair have you been in in the past or what chair do you want to be in or which chair do you want other people to think you're in but actually like for real like what chair are you in right now I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some keywords to kind of help you think about each chair we're gonna start with chair one all right so here's chair one here I am the person sitting in chair one they're not perfect but they have accepted the idea that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they've chosen to put their trust in Him to forgive their sin as the undisputed leader of their life. So the person in this chair is what you'd call a fully devoted follower of Jesus. They're a growing disciple who's, who's doing their best to be totally sold out to Christ. They have a real relationship with God, and, and, and Jesus is like the center of their life. Jesus says, follow me, and you're doing your best to walk with Christ in an ongoing relationship that's alive, it's real. So the word I would use to sum up chair one is commitment. Commitment. You're committed to Christ. You want to be loyal to God. You trust God's faithfulness to you, but there's a sense in which God can kind of count on you to be faithful to Him. You're committed to love God through, through like, worship, And connecting with Him through loving people, by being in relationship with other believers and reaching out to people who don't know God, and also serving the world by making a difference that really matters in the world. And your life just revolves around that commitment to God. That's chair one, commitment, okay? Maybe you've taken notes or you're going to remember that, all right? Now, this over here, as you might have guessed, is chair two. And the word I would use to sum up chair two is compromise. Because you're in chair two when you claim to have some connection to God. You you might identify as, well, I'm a Christian. You made that commitment at some point, but it's really not the way your life is playing out in reality right now. Your your faith is kind of faded. Your commitment is dwindled and it's a lower priority in your life. Now, Jesus actually told a a story one day to describe how we respond to him differently. He, He said, God wants to plant seeds of faith and, and see them grow in every single person, but we're not always very receptive to that. Now, in a few days at home, I actually hope to plant some vegetables on my own. I really don't know what I'm doing. I YouTubed it. I know I'm going to drop some seeds into some dirt and hope they grow. But Jesus said, God's like a farmer who just flings seed everywhere, all over and he says some of that seed is going to fall along like a path and birds come along and gobble it up or it gets trampled on before it can even take root. And then some of the seed, he says, falls on rocky ground. It's got real thin topsoil, so it springs up super quick, but it's got no roots and it dies off as quickly as it started. And that's what your 2 people are like. They maybe started strong. You, you, you made a promise to God at one point. You had sincere intentions, but it, it hasn't lasted it's not where you are right now and i know there are people listening to me right now who know exactly what i'm talking about cuz you're in chair 2 maybe it was that when you were younger you know you had some spiritual seeds that were planted in you you believed you you followed in faith you did the church involvement thing but something has happened along the way and as you got older or got busy the seed got trampled on or eaten up you faded from that commitment, from church, from spiritual life, and you're on kind of a hiatus from God. You don't really think about God as the center of your life. and While you may think of yourself as a Christian or someone who believes in God, really your life is characterized more by compromise than is personal commitment. So a lot of Chair 2 people, by the way, I've discovered, live with a lot of guilt because they don't hate God. It's not like they've turned their back on Jesus. They're just not fully committed to Him. So their life is about compromise, and they often feel guilty about that. And then the guilt drives them further away from God and that makes them feel like they're going to try harder and they fail. It's just a big, it's, it's very, very difficult for them. Now notice something if you, maybe you've noticed. In addition to how creaky Chair 2 is, maybe you notice how it rolls, right? It kind of slides around a little bit. There's a lot of leeway in Chair 2. It's hard to know where a Chair 2 person really is because, you know, there's not this solid, centered commitment sometimes when you're when you're over here hanging around you know some of your your believer friends you know you've got this this uh commitment to to be like they are and and who you're trying to please them at the moment and maybe you're going to have more of an expression of faith but if you're over here with your unchurched friends and maybe at work or something like that you know it, it just it's um that's who you are And you kind of roll around. It kind of depends on who you're with and what kind of mood you're in. It always depends on circumstances rather than a firm commitment. Now, chair three. Chair three is a little bit different altogether. And the key word I would use for this, ah, wow, comfortable chair, is the word complacency. All right, now the person in this chair, they may appear to be a wonderful person, a nice guy, wise person, or, or oh, I don't know, they might be a scoundrel, you know, some terrible jerk. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. Here's the common thread. They're spiritually complacent. They don't have a saving relationship with Jesus and they're comfortable with that. I mean, the attitude is, you know what? I'm good. Leave me alone. I'm just kind of doing fine. Faith isn't important to me. It isn't relevant to me. I think God's stuff is stupid maybe or it's a bunch of myths that I don't subscribe to. You know, I don't even like some of the Christians I know. Why would I want to do that? So whatever reason a person might have, they're here and they're okay and they just want to stay complacent and comfortable. You know, in the story of the soils that Jesus told, he, he, he described this chair. He said that some seed falls among the thorns and the thorns grow up with the plant and eventually they choke out the plant. Jesus says there's stuff in life that'll do that. It'll choke out your faith. So whatever it might be, I mean, it's sometimes people get obsessed with work or just pleasure or whatever pursuits in life and it just closes out the openness to God. That's the, that's the third chair. There's no relationship with the Lord. It's just kind of complacency about spiritual matters. Now, this person, they could be like an avowed atheist, someone who proudly announces, I don't believe in any of that God stuff. Or what's often more true is that this person might be what you call a practical atheist. Someone who just, for all practical purposes, lives their life as if God doesn't exist. So you might even go to church and do religious stuff but you live your life completely without God. And if you do that, that's a practical atheist. That's that's the third chair. So those are the three chairs. Commitment, compromise, and complacency. Now there's a section of scripture I want to walk you through. It's in the Old Testament. And it's about a guy named Joshua and how he leads his whole family to be first chair people. If you have a Bible, you might want to open Joshua 24, verse 14. It's Joshua, and he says, Now honor the Lord and serve Him faithfully with your whole heart. Do you hear that kind of pleading with his family to be first chair people and give God what he deserves? He says, you got to throw away those other false gods which your ancestors worshipped over there on the other side of the river. you got to make a break. And he calls them to serve the Lord alone. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, look, you got to choose Choose this day, he says, whom you will serve, because you're going to serve some God or other. You can go after that and go after that and do what everyone else is doing. Follow this spiritual lethargy of your ancestors if that's what you want to do. He says, but let me tell you one thing. As for me and my house, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. That right there, my friends, is chair one faith. There's no wiggling, there's no waffling, there's no wondering, gee, I wonder where he stands. It's unambiguous, it's solid, it's strong, and it's sold out. Now notice something that happens. If you're reading that part of the Bible, a little bit of time passes, and you just turn like one page in your Bible, you look over at Judges chapter two, and you can see how the commitment in the people began to slide away, and the faithfulness that they had at that moment begins to drift toward chair two. It's over in Judges chapter two, verses six and seven. It says the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders and all that uh, who lived longer than Joshua. But then it says all those folk who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. I don't even know if you noticed it. It's pretty subtle, but that's how it always is. It's a subtle, subtle, slow fade as your commitment crumbles. It says, the relationship with God has kind of suddenly moved to something of the past. It's past tense. It's like what God had done. There's no fresh, like, ongoing stories they're telling about what God's doing in their life in the current moment. It's all about where we used to be with God, when God was active and moving in our lives. And in their lives, they had so many great God stories. He'd parted the Jordan River. He made the sun stand still. He gave them a victory in a big Je- battle of Jericho. But their relationship to God now was more of a memory about those things in the past than it was a relationship about what was going on right now. And they slid into chair two. Now, watch what happens next. This spiritual regression kind of continues. And the next generation slides even further, clear over in to chair three. If you look at verse eight, it says that Joshua actually died and and then the people who knew Joshua and made that commitment back there when he said today, this day, let's choose, well, they all died away. And it says another generation grew up who did not even know the Lord, didn't even remember the things that he had done. And verse 12 says that they just went their own way and they did their own thing as if they had nothing to do with God at all. They just abandoned the Lord. It's crazy. You see that movement from as for me in my house, here's what we're going to do to, oh, I remember when God used to be alive in our life to I don't even know the Lord anymore. From first chair to second chair to third chair in, in just like one generation. And it can happen like that today. You've seen parents who are committed to the Lord and then their kids, they, they walk away. Or it can happen actually in an individual life as well. Spiritual erosion like that can happen in any of us when we go from commitment to compromise. So one of the main reasons spiritual slippage happens has to do with how we think about God. Let me give you three more words that describe, you know, each chair and how you think about God from that chair. So let's go back to chair one. Chair one is a person who thinks about God, and the key word is relationship. In this chair, you don't see God as like some distant entity, you know, some like, I don't know, objective presence out there. No, God's like real and he's daily and he's involved in your life. So like prayer is real conversation. It's close and and, and you know he's concerned and cares about your life. You you know, this is, by the way, one of the surprises and the hidden blessings of the coronavirus situation we're in right now because a lot of people in the middle of this hardship and, and stress are turning to God and developing a real prayer life, some of us for the first time in our life or the first time in a long time because we have a new daily dependence on God. And God's using this time to lead a lot of people right here to chair one because there's a relationship there. We have a plaque on the wall of our house, and I don't live up to it, most days to be honest with you but it does describe chair one relationship it says it says Jesus is the head of this house the unseen guest at every meal the silent listener in every conversation man when you live with that reality and that awareness of Jesus presence and you welcome God's spirit into your life all the time to guide and direct you that's what chair one is all about it's it's a relationship now chair 2 Chair 2 doesn't really think so much about a relationship as it, as when it comes to God, it thinks about religion. Christianity is a bunch of rituals to be endured rather than a relationship to be enjoyed. It's a bunch of do's and don'ts. And if it's fun, God probably doesn't want you to do it. God's like a big traffic cop for a lot of Chair 2 people. You know, you, you know, it's, it's okay if you're on good terms, but He's probably going to set a speed trap and bust you. And, and you're always living your life looking in the review mirror, wondering if He's going to, you know, ruin your day. And so at church, you know, chair two people, they do church, but they don't really open themselves to God, to hear what he's saying to you. And as a result, you leave unchanged, the same way you were when you began. It's like a religious game. You're, you're going through the motions. You're not really growing. You're not, you don't intend to change. And so often, chair two people have this external world that's kind of religious in appearance, but inside you're stuck, and you struggle with the same selfish outlook, the same immature behaviors, the same sin patterns you've probably had for years because you don't have a relationship with God that pervades your interior life because God's in a box that you call religion. And by the way, that's why chair two always comes with a dresser like this, a chest of drawers, because that way we can compartmentalize every part of our life down to these little areas that we've got subdivided, right? So in the first drawer of your life, you know, maybe these are the people that are most important to you. Maybe you've got a roommate that wears strange clothes and yellow shoes, or maybe you're married and you've got the family and maybe some little tykes or parents that mean a lot to you or your friends or whatever it is. But that's just one compartment of your life and you keep it kind of right here. And there's another compartment maybe that you'd call your work compartment because you got to go to work or your, your job's important and it's part of your identity and it's, you know, it's how you earn your income, but it's a separate compartment of your life. Or maybe you have a religion drawer. Here's your faith drawer, and you got it, you know, and here, here's, you know, this, this Raven's Bible. You get it out, and you do your church thing, but it's really just one compartment that opens and closes when you want. And down here you might have, oh, here's your money drawer, you know, your, your financial drawer. And down there on the bottom, there's some stuff down there I can't even show you. I don't let anybody in there. And here's the point. Chair two has this chest of drawers because life is all about these compartments and what we're forgetting is that God owns the whole dresser. Your relationship with God guides and shapes every one of these drawers. How you think about your job, your finances, your family, your relationships, right? But in chair two, I don't really have that relationship with God that touches every part of my life. I've got a religion which is just one compartment of my life. Chair three, chair three has a different word to sum up how you think about God. And honestly, it's the word rejection. This person's rejecting a relationship with God. Now, they, again, they may be a very pleasant person, successful, educated, well-rounded and all that. I don't know, they might be, you know, mean or wacky as all get out. That's not the point. It's just this. When it comes down to it, they're invited to choose this day whom you're gonna serve. They don't choose to serve the Lord, which is to reject Jesus. They want to say, you know, I want to stay right here, where I am. Which is to say no to Jesus. And whether you know it or not, whether you mean to or not, the one, when you say no to Jesus, you're rejecting the one who provides the thing that we need and want the most, and you're rejecting the only one who can save you. I got a lot of dear friends in this chair. I'm thinking of one right now. He kind of says things like, you know what, I can't believe the God thing, and he's made a decision not to believe. He believes in unbelief, if you will. And I said to him one time something like this, I said, you know what, if at the end of our lives it turns out that I'm wrong and you're right and there is no God, I've lost nothing. I've still had an amazing life, a great life, a happy life. I, I, I've had the joy of, of, of helping out society and doing good and operating on principles of love. But if you're wrong and I'm right and there is a God, who longs for a relationship with you, you've lost everything. His best answer is, I'm willing to roll the dice on that. And I, I, I just, it pains me, and I know it pains God as well. And a lot of people in this chair, they don't like to accept that idea that it's really a rejection of God. They, they want to sound inclusive. They want to say, You know, I accept a little Jesus along with a lot of mix of other beliefs and philosophies and things like that. I want to mash it all up into kind of a stew and believe this idea that maybe all roads kind of lead to the same place anyway. But here's the truth. If you don't accept Jesus on his terms, you haven't accepted Jesus at all. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And his arms are open wide, and his grace is available to everyone to come and follow him. And he longs for you and every person in any chair to do that. Because it's the path to the most satisfying, fulfilled life right now. And it's the only path that leads beyond this life to the next life, to an eternity with God and all of God's goodness forever. So according to Jesus to say, Yes to him and yes to a bunch of other stuff at the same time is actually to say no to Jesus. And that's what chair three does. It's a, it's a rejection of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. So I hope you're kind of seeing how this works. The chair you're sitting in really is an indication of so many things. Here's another thing it's an indication of. It's an indication of who calls the shots in your life. Like for chair one, the person in chair one, it's a God first in your life, okay? Because that relationship is the most important in your life. God first, that's who calls the shots. The most important thing to you is not your job, your family, your finances, or whatever. It's God first, so you have a full-time faith. Your life revolves around the Lord. You live your life as best you can before an audience of one. If God says it, I care more about what God says than what anyone else says. So putting God first means, for example, that you really turn to Him for strength to endure hard things. It means you rely on God for help to resist temptation when it comes, instead of trying to fight it yourself. In tough times, you turn to God and say, I need you, and then you sense His guiding presence. You listen for God, and you can sense Him directing you and prompting you through important decisions, because the Holy Spirit has come into your life, and, and you've given yourself to God, and you want to hear His voice. And that means that when you're off track, you're going to feel in your conscience Him tugging you back on track. That's that's what it looks like in chair one when you say, God first is calling the shots in my life. Now, chair two, chair two is more of a God and self. God and self, because there's a party that wants to let God steer the ship of your life. There's a part of you that wants to do it your own way. So you're kind of back and forth. You decide based on how you feel at the moment or what you think is right or or who you're with at the time. So instead of turning to God for strength in tough times, you probably tend to power through on your own. So I I know what it's like to live in chair two. I spent too much time there. When God tries to get His voice through to me, guide me in something, correct me, soften me, He tries, but when I'm in chair two, it's like la 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 la. I can't hear him because of my own voice is shouting so loudly about what I want because it's God and self. So who calls the shots in your life? If you're wondering if you're in your chair, if you're in chair two or not, just imagine if God completely pulled out of your life. Would you would you realize He was gone? Are you relying on the Lord for anything right now? Here's another good question. Where do you turn to for comfort and strength? COVID, COVID-19 19s forced us, every one of us, to answer that question because it's life's hard and we're under stress. And so where do you turn for that relief, that counsel, that comfort? There's lots of healthy things that we can turn to right now. But if your primary source of strength and comfort or hope and joy is in those things or some other escape, like food or sex or thrills or whatever it is, It's going to drive a wedge between you and God and drive you further away. And That's a clue that you might have a God and self perspective. Chair three people, they they don't have that dual split allegiance at all. When it comes to who's the boss, it's just like the answer is me. (laughs) It's just self. Everything comes back to them and what's best for me. So I'm not interested in steering the ship of my life any way that, you know, God wants it to go. I'm the captain of my fate. I, I don't have time for that other stuff. Are you kind of feeling and getting insight into the three chairs? Do you know where you're sitting these days? Let me me help you on another category. How about how you view the Bible? Chair one. Chair one submits to the Bible. They trust it. It's reliable. They use it as their gauge. It's not about whether they know the Bible or agree with the Bible. It's whether you do what the Bible says in practice. That's the question. So when the Bible says hard things, I'm still going to do it. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to Clear up that relationship. I'm going to do what the Bible says because I submit to it. But second chair is different. You maybe are more like someone who'd say, well, I respect the Bible. In other words, it's a good book and, I'm um, you know, it's great, but let's not get carried away. Let's not go to extremes, okay? Uh, there might be other good sources of information that I would turn to as well. So I respect the Bible, but it's not the boss for me. It's just not the source of my life, and uh, I'm not going to waste too much time trying to figure out what it says. So first chair, people submit. Second chair, maybe respect the Bible. Third chair, people probably honestly just ignore the Bible. They might own one, but it's a decoration or something like that, but it's certainly not a a love letter from their creator calling them into a relationship and guiding their daily life. Can you see what chair you're in? Now, tell me which chair you're in, and I can also tell you what you think about the church. Okay, Chair One people, they view the church as this very cool and attractive community. Community. You know, we're seeing it during the coronavirus crisis when when more of us are saying this isn't about, you know, going to a building. This is about being the church because it's a community of people and, and we're flawed and imperfect, It's so obvious. But you also see the beauty and the power and the goodness of people who love God and love people and serve the world together. Chair two, you tend to see the church more as like a, not a community, but a club. Like an organization where you, you might connect once in a while, do some networking, meet some people. But it's not a life-changing entity. It's like a club. And third chair, you see the church as like a, probably a custom. Like there's no meaning or deep power to this thing. It's not that real. It's just like a tradition. Like some people do it out of habit, Easter, Christmas, you know. What chair you're in affects everything, doesn't it? We could talk about dating, whether you honor God or hope for the best or try to build a relationship on a shaky foundation. We could talk about marriage. Chair one talks about marriage as, as, as a covenant, like an unconditional bond between a man, a woman, and God. And, 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 and it's stronger than my feelings for you. Two are bound together by God, and it sustains that marriage through stuff that's bigger than our own strength. And so when I make a vow to you, I'm also making a vow to God. And that helps so much. And my goal is to serve my spouse. And in so doing, honor God. But chair two tends to see marriage more as kind of conditional. Like I want it to last and all. And I might get married in a church, but my marriage is kind of, there are strings attached. If I'm not happy, I'm out. If it's not meeting my needs, it's like a contract. I want to look for the loophole. I'm only going to stay on the condition that you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Covenant, contract convenience is chair three. It's a partnership without really God involved at all. So I'm in it for me and what's in it for me and I want you to serve me. And my only bond is as strong as my strength, which sometimes isn't very strong. What about kids? You know, the chair you're in affects parenting. I know we have some parents watching. We all want our kids to turn out great, but you know the biggest factor in determining how your kids turn out is what chair you're sitting in. First-chair people think the goal of parenting is is to raise godly kids who honor the Lord. Second-chair parents would say the goal is to raise good kids, you know, keep them out of trouble, keep them reasonably happy, modestly successful at least, have a normal, good life. Third-chair people, they want to raise kids who are successful. This person, it's not about helping your kids have a good standing with God. The most important thing might be about their good standing at school or on a team or amongst their peers. They may worry more about how they're doing on a test than how your kids are doing in their character development or how their whole world is shaped. Here's something else. You know what? First-chair parents very often seem to have the best shot at raising first-chair kids. There's plenty of exceptions to that. Kids Kids are their own people. They can make their own choices in life. But first-chair parents seem to have the best shot at raising first-chair kids. Here's something else that's interesting. Second-chair parents tend to raise third-chair kids. That probably should get our attention. And you can see why, because the kid's looking for something real. They can sniff out hypocrisy and compromise and waffling. Why would they be interested in that? Which means we're accidentally encouraging them toward the rejection chair if we're kind of in that middle compromising one. So if you're a parent, make sure you hear this. The best and surest way to raise kids who honor God, first-year kids who will be successful in God's eyes is to make sure that you are doing everything you can to operate from the first chair yourself. So if you'll just allow me as we kind of draw this down to a moment where you're going to make a move, I just want to get personal with you, Okay. I really want to to know something. (laughs) What chair are you in anyway? I mean, you may feel like the honest answer is you're over here in chair one. You're like, I'm not perfect, but man, I am committed to Christ. If that's you, humbly thank God that you're connected to Him. And I want to challenge you today to rededicate yourself to Him. Firmly put your commitment in Jesus Christ. Like any relationship, A relationship has to be updated, has to be kept fresh. Jesus actually said in Luke 9, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The decision to follow Jesus is something you do every day. Will you rededicate yourself today to a relationship with God that puts him in first place? Rededicate yourself to trusting God's word and doing what it says. To say, God, I'm going to lean on you and look to you as my first source of strength in these crazy times. Rededicate yourself to the church community that you've invested in. To to honor your spouse or your friendships or your relationships in godly ways. To influence your kids in godly ways. So you can stand today and say, as for me, I choose Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I've said it before, but I'm saying it again now. And if no one goes with me and they say I'm crazy, I don't care. I'm not a fan. I'm a follower. Will you do that? Put God first and experience the joy that comes from getting back where you want to be just so strongly walking with Him every day. I see a church right now that can't meet together but instead of one big fire God's lighting lots of flames of commitment in thousands of hearts all over the place right now all over this country all over this county. Rededicate yourself today. Chair one people, okay? Chair two people. I know some of you are there. I want to challenge you today oh man i hope you hear me the word the bible would use is probably this one repent it just means make your move turn turn toward god that that chair too is a dangerous place to sit i know from experience because because you can say i believe in god you can do all this stuff and it looks good from a distance but It's not about believing in God. The demons, the Bible says, the demons believe in God. What needs to happen is you need to turn to God and get that relationship back intact. Because listen, Jesus actually says in Matthew 7, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my father. It's not enough to sound religious if you don't trust Christ. Jesus says there's a day coming when you're going to stand before him. And at that moment, some are going to say, hey, Jesus, it's me. And he's going to say, I don't know you because you didn't have a relationship. It's not whether you can say, I know Jesus. It's about whether Jesus can say, I know you. And that's about relationship. Otherwise, like Revelation 3 says, there's going to be a time when he's going to say, man, I wish you would have been, I wish you would have been either cold or hot. But as it is, you're lukewarm and I want to spit you out of my mouth. Friend, please, you're not called to a lukewarm mediocre, middle-of-the-road, compromised faith. You know it, I know it. There's a better, fuller, richer, deeper, more authentic way to live than giving lip service to the Lord and living on your own strength. Why? The call today is the move to the Lord. Let Him take the wheel of your life, all the compartments of the whole dresser, and let Him guide your relationships, your work, your future, and you'll have a deeper, freer, better, more purposeful life. But you got to move today and experience that breakthrough. Make a move toward Christ. Go forward in chair one. Enough of this rolling around. All right? I'm serving the Lord. That's what you're going to say. As for me and my house. Third chair people, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for hanging with us this long. If that's really where you honestly are, I know there's probably some good reasons that you may feel you're there in that chair three. You might you know, have a lot of skepticism or something's happened or you're angry or you've been hurt. I just want you to know we're glad you're hanging out and this is a safe place to go on a spiritual journey. And the word I want to give to you today, though, the word that sums up what I hope happens today is the word receive, that you would open up your mind and your heart to receive the real living Christ as your Lord and Savior. You might feel very comfortable being in chair three, but I I promise you it's a chair with a lot of emptiness and disappointment. Some of you, Um, that's what you miss out on is a relationship with God in this life and for all eternity. Chair three has no answer for what happens after you die. You're left with that haunting question, just kind of hoping against hope that what millions and millions of people and the Bible itself says is not true. And that's just putting your whole life on thin ice. So God wants to spend his eternity with you, not a moment apart from you. So I hope there's a part of you that will open yourself and receive some good news today that God just loves you so much. He's ready for you to take that step to live with Him in a real relationship. He doesn't want a bunch of religious stuff from you. He just wants you to begin by receiving His grace and His love. Now, I got to warn you, this chair three thing right here is pretty comfortable. And the longer you stay there, The harder it is to get out, so you got to be careful. Don't be telling me, you know, I'm going to get around to that decision. I'm going to make that decision some other day. It doesn't always work that way. Friends, today is the day of salvation for you to receive that gift. So what are you going to do? Chair one, people, I hope you rededicate your life to Christ today and make a firm commitment again. Chair two, I hope you make the turn, you move. And in the scriptures, when people want to demonstrate that move, they're baptized. That's what Jesus asks of all of us. If you've never been baptized, I hope you put the Lord first and show him through baptism. Now here we are in the social distancing reality. I can't baptize you this afternoon, but you know what? You can do it at home or you can do it, my friend Lou did. He texted me this week and he said, Ben, I'm putting God first in my life and I'm going to get baptized as soon as these restrictions are over. I'm getting in the water. I want to know who's going to join Lou whenever that day comes. If you're ready to do that right now and mark this moment. Make the decision today, even if your baptism follows in a bit. Here's how you do it. Text me right now and tell me about it. Don't let the moment pass. Text the word BAPTISM to the number on the screen, 855-810-1824. Text the word BAPTISM. We're going to get back to you and help you make some steps to take your next step. The important thing is, whether your baptism happens today or sometime in the future, make the decision right now. I hope God is prompting you and everyone to to take the step you need to take, pick up the phone, whatever you need to do to move out of compromise and into commitment. And if you're in the third chair, I'm inviting you to make a decision today as well, not to slide to chair two, but to leapfrog over to chair one and receive Christ into your life. Become a first chair believer. We welcome you and we'll help you. And you will take just baby steps, maybe at first. Maybe you'll grow like a weed, but your life will be different and you'll be glad. Whoever you are, Wherever you began this day, think about where you are and make your move.